You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. 162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. Today on the ZabeCast, Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio, the king of college football and basketball. I'll ask him about the new Pac-12 and their future, plus the conference realignment game and the new NIL world, and why many athletes have shrunk from activism when it comes to Brittany Griner. All that plus listener mailback, your 35-minute uncensored bonus edition of Pure Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Thursday, July 21, 2022. Thank you for downloading. Before we get to Aaron Torres, a couple of stories here. Of note to me, headline, NASCAR to race through Chicago. Oh, here we go, right? Ben Kennedy is thinking big, writes the Associated Press, as in big cities, big ideas, and big plans. That's how NASCAR and Chicago got together. Kennedy played an instrumental role in NASCAR bringing on unprecedented street racing to downtown Chicago during its 75th season and yet another radical change to the once boring and stayed NASCAR schedule. The Cup Series will race against the backdrop of Lake Michigan and Grant Park next July 2nd as part of a three-year deal with the city of Chicago. It'll be paired with an IMSA race the day before, as well as music and entertainment options located along the 12-turn, 2.2-mile street course. He said the opportunity to bring something unique as NASCAR to the city of Chicago. I think it's going to be one of those iconic race courses. We couldn't pass up that opportunity, said Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Mayor Beetlejuice is like, let's do it. She doesn't know shit about NASCAR. She also doesn't know shit about a lot of shit. But, hey, duly elected mayor. 
of Chicago. The people there have said, that's the woman we want running this city. And you know what they say about democracy. You give the people their choice, they're going to get what they want good and hard. There are jokes to be made about driving through Chicago. Are people going to shoot out the tires of the NASCAR rides? Does NASCAR vehicles that don't turn or corner real tight like Open Wheel or Formula One, does that even work in a city-like atmosphere? Don't know. But it could be interesting. We shall see. Miles Bridges charged with felonies, plural, domestic violence and child abuse. It's bad stuff. Miles Bridges, for those of you that don't know, casual NBA fans or non-NBA fans, he was the leading scorer for the Charlotte Hornets last year. Over Averaging over 20 points per game was due to make a big restricted free agent score this summer in free agency, but that didn't happen because these counts came up just at the wrong time for him. According to the complaint, Bridges allegedly assaulted the girlfriend on or about June 27th in front of their two kids. Uh, LAPD didn't give further details of the arrest. He was later released, posting $130,000 bail. Uh, The Hornets said they're aware of the situation. We're monitoring it, which is just PR speak for, yeah, bad deal, but we're not going to talk about it right now. They had a deadline until July 13th to rescind a qualifying offer they made to him, but the deadline passed and nothing happened. So obviously, the Hornets don't want to lose him. So they quietly are like, we're just going to leave that. You know, that that offer is still going to be there. I think of this story and I think of how NBA players are treated compared to NFL players. And I know you'll say, hey, the NFL players bargained for what they got, which is a system in which Roger Goodell gets to play judge, jury, executioner, and appellate judge in all these cases. And Deshaun Watson is facing possibly up to another year of suspension. And no, I'm not buying that last year he sat out on his own accord. That was all wrapped up into all of this that he did not play last year. This would have been resolved last year if not for all of this messiness. Now, he's a creep, and he's paid a lot of money to a lot of women that he did creepy shit with while they were giving him massages. Guess what, though? Not even charged with a crime. Not even charged with a crime. They're talking another year for Deshaun Watson with the resulting loss of tens of millions of dollars? That's crazy. It's a six-game suspension at worst, if you ask me. But this is the NFL on an endless crusade to portray themselves as the league that takes domestic violence and sexual assault seriously. Where's the NBA on this? Now, it's early in the Bridges case, but keep an eye on it and just see if the price that a guy like Bridges pays for his crime that he's been charged with, a more serious one, in my opinion, domestic violence and child abuse, than what creepy-ass Deshaun Watson did, let's just see how that plays out. Again, the NFL players fucked up because they agreed to this. They didn't hold the line. They should have said, no, this is nuts. We're not for our players misbehaving, but we're not going to let you, Goodell, Go crazy and suspend guys for up to a year just because you want to. And then this, Andrew Wiggins, world champion 
Golden State Warrior forward, says he still regrets getting vaccinated, essentially at the point of a loss of tens of millions of dollars playing for the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco, California, one of the most out-of-control, radical, vaccine, mask, virus, militant cities in all the world. Wiggins said, look, I did it because I didn't want to sit out the season, didn't want to lose all that money. Yeah, I won a world championship. Yeah, that's great, but I still regret it. I just don't like putting stuff into my body that I don't know about and I don't think I need. I'm paraphrasing. You didn't say that exactly, but you get the point. Good for Wiggins. My only regret is he didn't go harder and didn't go stronger on this. But hey, at least he said that much. Oh, by the way, have you been following? Of course, you probably have your smart listeners and those who are still on Team Virus have already punched out of this podcast. They don't listen anymore. But I would imagine most of you are smart and you're keeping an eye on the people and the outlets that are actually digging in and reporting on, well, how we doing with the pandemic? Answer, not great, Bob. Not great. More and more myocarditis effects being shown, showing up in the data for this mass vaccination of the entire world. The German government just admitted yesterday, yeah, we, we've seen a lot of severe effects of those who are vaccinated. They are finding that, yes, menstrual cycles have been knocked off kilter at a higher rate, not always, but at a higher rate for those in a vaccinated class of people studied. Yes, they have found that sperm counts are down, which can be a good thing for some, in the pool of vaccinated players. A ton, no, but some, yes. All these things being criticized, wild conspiracy theories. Well, read the literature now on what they're finding. And of course, the mask cult is already talking about bringing them back this fall. Fauci himself is back on it again. The FDA's rubber stamping of a very risky approval of kids under five getting this vaccine that they do not need. That, how's that going? Well, the uptake on the five and under vaccine, less than 5%, might even be less than 3%. And it's dead in the water. There is no demand for it whatsoever. So who's going to be held accountable? Nobody. Nobody's been how to, none of the people who have been wrong about this have been held accountable. Oh, and have you seen New Zealand lately? New Zealand, the island nation with that, Big-toothed fraud, Jacinda Arden. Arden, is that her name? Ardern? Their prime, prime minister. They were like super hardcore. They were Australia on steroids when it comes to locking down, shutting out. We're going to ride this out. We're going to save lives. And people lauded their approach. New Zealand has done it right. And if you look at their chart over the last two years of COVID cases, Extremely low, just right down at the bottom, low. And then the last six months, boom, to the sky. Because there's no natural immunity. 
And we know the vaccine only offers a very limited, short, and partial window of any kind of immunity, and it doesn't stop the spread. It's been a while since I've talked about the pandemic and the Rona and vaccines and masks on this podcast because I'm a sports and fun time podcast. We don't need to get too in the weeds on this, but it's just amazing. And this is a sports intersection of that story that Andrew Wiggins is like, yeah, I I still am not happy about it. It has to be said. I feel like I have to be one of the people at least who has a platform to say, hey, oh, by the way, uh, you know, this is what's going on here. Because this last two years have been a complete shit show on so many levels. And so many people who have tried to say from the start, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? This is going to be bad. You can't do this. You shouldn't do that. Hold on. What about this? Let me ask a question here. Do, are we sure about X, Y, and Z? Those people have been shut down, shouted down, ostracized, kicked out of their jobs, and more. And there's no accounting. There's no accountability. There's no punishment. There's no reckoning, which is extremely frustrating, to say the least. With that, we take a break. On the other side, Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, and the Aaron Torres Podcast. The guy knows and follows college football and basketball better than anyone in the business. You are listening to the ZabeCast. Quality words, interesting conversations, delivered digitally right to your ears. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Aaron, I'll admit I've been lying in the weeds for you now for the better part of like four weeks. As soon as the USC-UCLA bombshell hit, I was like, oh, God, I got to call Aaron Torres. If anybody, Mr. L.A., Mr. College Basketball, Mr. College Football, and then I said, you know what? Let's let it sit for a second because who knows what's going to happen in the days to come. So I figure... I've given it enough time. Holy shit. Tell me this took you by surprise, or did you have a little birdie tell you that something like this was going to happen? First of all, Zabes, I you know I appreciate you, uh, first of all, even thinking of me. Um, what I can tell you, I, I've had some people in the media claim that they knew this was coming. Um, oh, really? And, yeah, well, I, I've seen people say it or or some variation of it. What I, what I would say is, 
I probably should have been more on alert when the Big Ten, you know, seemed to be set to sign a, a an extension on their TV deal, and then, um, you know, all of a sudden push back out of nowhere. With uh, point, I'm trying to make a couple things. I, I should have been more aware with the Pac-12 and Big Ten both coming up on their TV deals, but. I can tell you that I didn't know, and what I can also tell you is that I spoke to somebody pretty high up at the USC Athletic Department that says, I didn't know, uh-huh. I found out, much like you guys did on social media. And so I'm not saying that you know there wasn't somebody that could have been privy to this information, but I'm telling you, the, the folks at USC will tell you that you could probably count on one hand the number of people that knew about this information, you know, even 24 hours before it, it, it broke. So, no, I, I, I was I was caught off guard. But what I will tell you is in realignment, nothing surprised me anymore, man. And it's sad. And I wish it wasn't the way that it was. Um, but, you know, we're so far removed. I mean. I'm a UConn alum and, you know, the Huskies went from the Big East, get kicked out of the Big East to the, to the Big East, you know, back to being in the Big East. Uh, Maryland is now in the Big Ten. Um, you know, so I get that the geographic element of this is bizarre and weird. Um, but while I was shocked the day that it happened, I can't sit here and lie and say that I'm shocked that realignment brought us to a point where we have two teams uh, in Los Angeles that will be playing right. – uh, home game, you know, conference games against Purdue and Iowa here in a couple of years. Yeah, any media member that says they had this is full of shit because they would have had a <laughs> massive scoop and they would have sat on it for no reason. So that's number one. Number two Great is call. I'm impressed at the operational security of the schools involved and yes. the Big Ten conference because that's not easy to achieve. So this was a real sneak attack, and it, it stunned me, and I think I may be wrong – I think it's the biggest geographical reach we've had with a conference. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I think there's no doubt. Um, you know, it's funny, right? Because even – I mean, I think it was surprising even when Rutgers joined the the Big Ten, what, 12, right. 13 – you know, not 12, but maybe eight, nine years ago. Like, people were Rutgers, and it's like, well, Rutgers is probably, what, a four or five-hour drive from Penn State. Um, so, no, this is this is at least for the major conferences. Now, with the AAC at one point, you know, spanning from from Connecticut with UConn to, to Houston and Dallas, maybe that's somewhere in the conversation – but for the major conferences, no, this is this is huge. And that was, you know, one thing that I, I think, um, you know, was a big takeaway is that uh, for football, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, what, what what becomes interesting is what happens for for volleyball and, and you know, tennis and golf and things like that. And listen, I, I don't, you don't need me to tell you that in the grand scheme, none of that matters. I'd, I'd be lying if I said I think even men's and women's basketball matters all that much relative to the football uh, side of things. But at the same time, no, it, it's surprising uh, I think it's going to be weird. And one thing I'll tell you too, Zapes, is you know one thing that stands out to me about all these realignment moves is that so many of them are made for money, and we understand. And you know, you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. There does become a a, a kind of a, a point of no return, though, where you get all the money, but is it worth it if you can't compete at the highest level? And I just mentioned 
University of Maryland. I mean, it's great that they're cashing those Big Ten checks, but they're also getting their brains beat in by Ohio State and Michigan every week. And uh, in football and in basketball, they lost a lot of what made Maryland basketball great, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago. And so I just bring it up because I, I get why the decision was made, but I wonder if in their heart of hearts, if, if you walk through that USC athletic building in 2027 or 2028 or USC, the same thing, uh, UCLA, I, I mean, the same thing. If, if there isn't a hint of regret for, for all the money we got and for as much sense as it probably makes from football, what about the other 10, 12, 15, 20, whatever it is, sports that we sponsor in addition to football? Right, right. You know, at least with Rutgers and Maryland, they join a conference. There's two schools where it snows. And they join a conference where it snows all the time. This was the biggest stylistic, wait, what? To meld together Champaign-Urbana and Los Mm -hmm. Angeles and and Brentwood. I mean, that's the biggest stretch there is. So that blew my mind when it came to the merger as well. Now, I get this question all the time on the golf course now that it's summer I'm playing. People ask me, so what do you think is going to happen to, and they'll pick one of the remaining rump conferences. And I say, and this is on, my honest truth, and this is where I'm going to lean on you and your, your insight on this, my honest answer is, I don't know. I, if I were them, I'd just try to find something that's sustainable. In other words, something that'll last five or more years. Yeah. What, what, what is your thought about those who are left out of these two mega conferences now? What's their plan? Well, the ACC seems to be kind of interesting because I think the initial reaction was, uh, you know, we have to, the, the schools that are in that league, we have to get to one of those other schools. And my understanding is, you know, first of all, I was traveling last week, but I saw the report that the SEC is going to sit at 16 for a while. And my understanding is I think the ACC, there's a couple of schools that really tried to, you know, get the legal team to pour over that, 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 uh, you know, TV contract that takes them through 2036. And there's no real way to get out of it without paying hundreds of millions of dollars. Now I'm not a lawyer. Could that change over time? Uh, sure. Sure, but I, I don't see it. And so from the S, from the ACC's perspective, I think it's fine. Um, from the Pac-12 and Big 12, you know, the Big 12 is kind of set with what they are going forward. I think the Pac-12 is, is fascinating. And that was one thing that, that I said right away is, is, you know, I think the initial reaction was, well, you know, Oregon and Washington, they'll be next. And it's like, if the Big Ten wanted Oregon and Washington, the Big Ten would have taken Oregon and Washington the same way they did with right. USC and UCLA. And it's just this weird thing now where, it's just I'm, I'll say this. I, I think it's just absolutely fascinating because to me, basically, all these schools are doing what's best for them. And it's just hard to get anybody to commit to anybody else. Right. Because I think if all 10 schools felt like, hey, we're in this together, we have to make this work. That's fine. But we clearly have some that are flirting with the Big 12. Uh, I think Oregon specifically doesn't really want to commit to anything long term just on the chance that, you know, the, the Big Ten expands again or that Notre Dame decides to go to the Big Ten. And maybe there's an opportunity for them to leave. They obviously feel like the most appealing brand of any of the schools left. So it's this weird thing where I think they're going to get stuck together because – 
I don't think that, you know, financially it's going to make a ton of sense for some of these schools to leave for a place like the Big 12. Um, and I don't I certainly know that the Big 10 and the, the SEC as of right now don't want any of them. But it's a weird deal because I don't think anybody really wants to commit to each other. Uh, and I don't think anybody wants to get stuck in this conference on the off chance that, as you said, saves another round of realignment comes in two, three, five years from now. So fascinating. And right now it does feel like, believe it or not, those 10 schools might be ha- might have little choice but to stay together, add maybe one or two other schools from there and try to make it work. Yeah, it's like an episode of Big – it's like Big Brother, the TV show. Everyone's sleeping sure. with everyone right now and, and, <laughs> and angling to cheat on everyone right now, which is kind of crazy. So I went to, as you probably know, the Harvard of the West, UC Santa Barbara. Not Ooh. a Pac-12 school, gaucho. Aaron. Yes, I'm a gaucho. Not a Pac-12 school, but I spent six, seven glorious years, including postgraduate – in the ethos, in the land of the Pac-12, and I grew to have an affinity for the Pac-12, even though my one Pac-12 school I applied to, UCLA, said no. Now, my safe school, Arizona State, said yes. And I probably should have gone there in retrospect, but that's a different story. So I feel kind of like Ichbein in Berliner with the Pac-12. And I'm kind of sad that now the two crown jewels have been ripped from the conference. Question. Is there a feeling out there that if it weren't for just the rampant fucking incompetence of that league, that they could have kept it together and made it a strong thing? Because the Pac-12 did not have their shit together. You know, it was kind of this weird perfect storm, right, where, first of all, yes, the incompetence uh, dating back to Larry Scott of the past decade and change, it just it, it hurt those schools so much. They fell behind. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's part of it. The way that things were structured, and this was an important part, is that, um, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago before Larry Scott came in, there was this weird thing, or maybe it wasn't weird, I don't know, where, the, the you know, before everybody was on national TV, the schools that were actually playing on national TV were getting a bigger percentage of the TV money than some of the other schools that, that weren't, um, and that led to, you know, a, a more favorable model for a place like USC like when USC was 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 with Pete Carroll they're 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 on national TV every week and so they're making more TV money as they should have than Washington State Arizona right. Arizona State whatever and right. so everybody's split in money um, you know some schools believe that they're making more for the conference which they are and they're not you know it's it's not equitable and then I think the other thing which is kind of ironic I, I saw Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports bring this up I thought it was a great point you know I, it was kind of funny USC basically using the excuse of well you guys aren't doing enough you know you guys aren't doing enough to carry the weight in football here when the best thing that could have happened in football was USC not be an abomination for the last you know 10 years or whatever it's been since Pete Carroll left Mm -hmm. like that's part of it too like if USC was operating at the level that they are capable of operating at and they're winning the Pac-12 every year and they're going to the playoff two out of every three years like Oklahoma or Notre Dame or Georgia or whoever um, that is an element of it too where one they're making more money the conference is making more money the conference doesn't look as inept as uh, as it has been and so again it does sort of feel like this perfect storm where um, you know the the distribution wasn't right because the the leadership was incompetent but then also USC being down is, is very strange let me I know I'm going long Zeeves. let me say one last thing too I, I mentioned this on my radio show I find it interesting and I want to throw this back to you I will say from the USC perspective I find it amazing the 
the way that one person, maybe two, can change the perception of everything. And those two people are Lincoln Riley and Clay Helton. Because I was, I was arguing with my, one of my radio partners on this. Would you argue that if this happens a year ago, USC is universally mocked as if like, you know, you know what I mean? And now it's like, oh, you know, they're going to go to the, they're going to go to the big 10 and they're going to be the, you know, they're going to compete with Ohio state. And it's like, I thought a year ago they were like the most underachieving team in college football. So again, I I know I'm going a million different directions. I apologize for going long, but that's one funny element of this. I don't think it's talked about enough is like, it's amazing how Lincoln Riley just being there before he's ever coached a game has completely changed the perspective of how we feel about USC over the next, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah, I agree. USC was the school that couldn't get a decent date. And then they finally got the prom queen. Yeah, so now, now they're like, oh, yeah, ball or move. Way to go get that money. <laughs> whatever whatever becomes of what's left of the Pac-12, to me, it's not the Pac-12. The Pac-12 Agreed. has got to have L.A. teams, and so that's, that's sort of heartbreaking. Now, I had heard also that UCLA had some severe money crunch issues. They do. Okay, talk to me about that. Well, you know, some of it is not in their control, um, and, and that's not an excuse. But because um, of the stadium, he, the Rose Bowl, which I'm sure doesn't have what they need. Well, that and COVID, right? I mean, you know, they 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 had not only did they ha- not play any, you know, home. And by the way, Zabes, when did we first connect during COVID? I what know. was the conversation? Yeah. The 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 negative economic impact it would have by not playing at all, let alone, you know, forget the fact that some stadiums were 25, 30, yeah. 50% capacity. So they didn't not only did they not have any home fans for a full calendar year, don't forget during basketball season last year, they actually the 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 state health department shut them down and they had to play in front of no fans for a short yeah. period of time as well. Right. And sadly, and, and sadly, none of the sports writers that advocated for this have lost their jobs. Cause I believe right. me, I got a list and I'm like, <laughs> that, that asshole's still working. That guy, that guy, I'm like, it drives me nuts. So yeah, they got crushed by COVID. No question about it. Yeah. But, but it's also, you know, the, the football fan base just for whatever reason, it, it, you know, it's crazy because I moved to LA about 10 years ago. Now that was the early part of the Jim Moore era and it was never amazing, but you know, I remember going to the Rose bowl and it being 80% capacity at the time. I mean, it wasn't a hundred thousand, but it was probably 70,000. And now just, they haven't been able to draw on football. Um, you know, uh, obviously you lose a, a year and change of, of revenue from any ticket sales. And so, that was all part of it as well. And then the other thing is, let's be realistic. I mean, they sponsor, I don't know, 20, 25 sports and they're really good at them, but with due respect to winning a national championship in tennis or golf or whatever sport, um, that they just, um, you know, they, those, those sports don't generate any money and are a money loser. So there's absolutely no doubt that the athletic department was in really bad shape financially. Uh, you know, USC, because it's a private school, you can keep that stuff a little bit more uh, private, but I would wonder to see about them. You know, obviously uh, their football attendance has not been great the last couple of years, although I think that's definitely going to be on an uptick these next few years. But no, that you can't deny that that was a part of it as well, as this is basically a bailout uh, check that is going to help UCLA, much like many of these other conference realignment moves through the years. All right, just to close this topic, then we'll turn to uh, a couple other things. Um, When people say, well, what do you think? I go, well, it seems to me like there's going to be three 20-team super conferences. And if there were three 20-team super conferences, if I was Clemson, I'd want to try to congeal a league out of them, Miami, Florida State, 
I don't think Notre Dame is gettable, but you get a lot of the sort of second-tier pretty good football programs like Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Okie State, and then you can make a sandwich out of that. What do you think of that idea? Well, I mean, I do think everybody is, is, is trying to figure out – first of all, I think everybody's trying to figure out how to get into the SEC or the Big Ten right now. Um, and I don't think any moves are going to be made by anybody unless Notre Dame makes a decision here, which it doesn't seem is imminent. Um, you know, I think so, the it's ACC- a, so it's a race to get into one of the two known entities that are the two well, powerful entities. That's the Big Ten and the SEC. And then who's ever left when the door is shut, presumably at 20 and 20, right, Aaron? They can't have leagues more than 20 teams. I, I agree, and it comes down to the same reason. And it's not only that they can. It, part of it is the reason that these moves are made is because there's only so many brands that add value to a contract, right? right. So it's it's a pretty straightforward deal of if the SEC even expands beyond this, and let's say Notre Dame is not is not on the table for them, you know, Clemson, those schools that you mentioned, Clemson. So who are the top? Who are the top brands still on the outside? Clemson, Notre Dame. Those are two. Who yeah, else? Notre Dame for sure. Um, you know, Oregon obviously would be there. Um, Miami. I would. You know, Miami. I think. Yeah, Miami. I think, and I think Florida State. And then the one that I keep hearing that everybody likes is North Carolina. And and you know, I think really. Well, it's here's the thing, right? <laughs> You'll laugh at this. No, 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 because it's a great academic school, and the Big Ten is is you know they they keep they keep making this argument that they're only adding like good academic institutions yeah. and USC and UCLA is. But my whole thing is, you're going to make the USC volleyball team fly to West Lafayette on a Tuesday, and you're telling me this is still about academics and and whatever. It's like right. just go get the best teams. So so yeah, my understanding is that North Carolina. Um, that North Carolina, because of the academics, the football, obviously, we all know, has upside if they ever reach it. And then, of course, the basketball is great. So I would say those brands. And the other one I keep hearing, um, and I'm not saying it's my personal opinion, but I think there's a bull. I'll tell you this. I know for a fact that the folks at Stanford think that if the Big Ten takes Notre Dame, that'll make give them 17 teams, or if Notre Dame wants to go to the Big Ten is probably the right way to put it, that would give them 17, and they would need an 18th. And while, you know, Oregon is probably sexier, the guys at Stanford, or the people at Stanford, I should say, believe that they're the next one to get that call because, one, it'll be a natural travel partner for, for the L.A. schools, and then, two, it'll be a natural academic partner for Notre Dame. So, hmm. I'm yeah, I'm hmm. not saying uh, – listen, I'm, I'm – and it, it's, it's funny because, you know, I called a buddy of mine that I, I know at Stanford, some some people inside that athletic department, because I think when all this first happened and, and you know, you, you think that the Pac-12 is going to completely break up, there was kind of a thought that um, – there was kind of a thought that Stanford might just de-emphasize athletics. Like, essentially, do they want to get in the business of – the last time you and I spoke, we were talking about these crazy NIL deals. Do they want to get in the business of – you know, the craziness of whatever. And I heard the exact opposite is that not only do they, they want to see at, you know, with one of these major conferences, but that they have booster, you know, they're boosters now. Like, like you think some of these sec schools can write big checks. I mean, Stanford's got some pretty big boosters that if they decide, you know, I I want, you know, obviously there's the academic component, but it's like, I, I was basically told like, Football, basketball, if they want to put together the best NIL program in the country, they can literally do it overnight. So, yeah. I, you know, the thing about Stanford, and I know a few Stanford guys, they are the kings of the, of the our shit don't stink 
uh, division. Sure. And so they may be a bit delusional on that. Let me pivot and ask you, do you think that Miami and Florida State are going to come rocketing back in the new NIL era? Miami just bought that quarterback for a whole lot of money, and I guess he denied the money, but he bought him. they bought him for something, right? I'll tell you um... – you know, it, it's it sure seems like it. Uh, it sure seems like it, at least from the Miami perspective. And, you know, the one thing I would say, first of all, I, I do agree them. You know, Florida State, I don't know if they have as much money, but I don't think they'll be they'll be afraid to, to do what needs to be done if they think it's going to help the team. Um, the other thing that I would say, too, really quick, you know, one thing that I've heard, Steve, and, and you probably agree with this just being a longtime observer, is like, this idea of, well, you know, the market's going to correct itself. And, and, you know, you know, if this quarterback doesn't work out at Miami, there's no mm. way. And, and all, yeah. I, I don't think, know. The market, the market has a lot of headroom before it starts correcting. I'm afraid. Well, and, and, you know, it's never stopped a school from, from firing a guy and paying him $10 million that, to go away. Per, Can right. They, exactly. The mar- has the market corrected on coaches? No, exactly. So, it, so yeah, the desire yes. to win in college football is seemingly unlimited. So I would yes. say anyone hoping for a market correction there have to wait a long time. Let me uh, let me pivot to a different topic entirely because you said you wanted to talk about it and I love it. Uh, Brittany Griner, you made the point to me in our brief text exchange that you're stunned that so many athletes who claim to want to be you know uh, out there as activists are not saying anything about Brittany Griner. Cats got their tongue. Mm, yeah, no, you know, and obviously, again, you know, being a national host on Fox Sports Radio, uh, obviously, look, I, you know, I think my area of expertise is in, in college sports. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a human element issue and uh, something that I've talked a lot about and I talked about it on my podcast and it got great reaction. And so I, I don't think that I'm alone in feeling this way. But um, listen, I think we all understand she made a really, really, really dumb decision. Um, and you know, she should be punished adequately, but like, I'm just going to say it, Zabe's like the fact that she's a political prisoner, um, in Russia and that essentially nobody talked about it really until like a week ago was kind of like, it, it boggled my mind. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's because, you know, I, people, I, I keep hearing people say, well, it's a complex, uh, you know, um, geopolitical issue and, and, you know, whatever I'm like, it's never stopped any the complexity right. has never stopped any athlete from speaking out about any social issue at all. I don't think and I don't think most athletes understood the deep shit she was in from day one. I think you and I might have, others might have, but I mean it, it was it took a while to realize no, they're not going to give her a misdemeanor and let her go. It's fucking Russia. Well, yeah, and not only that, they they just make up the rules as they go, you yes. know, and uh, you know, so so no, so you know, I've been disappointed, and I give credit actually, you know, to some of the WNBA players for speaking out. I think they got it into the headlines enough over the last two or three weeks, where you know now LeBron James is forced to talk about it, and of course he put yeah. his t- uh, his foot in his mouth, and <laughs> yeah, he sounded like a total idiot, and it's just you know, and it was funny because that was something that I had said, um, you know, I was on air the day that Bill Plaschke actually got that quote from one of the WNBA players of if this was LeBron James, he'd be home right now. But my argument on air, and and my co-host actually disagreed with me a little bit. I said. Yes, if LeBron James was at home, was if that was LeBron James, he'd be at home right now. But if LeBron James was as vocally critical about this administration's inability to get her home as he was to the previous administration, oh. I'm a, you know, like like absolutely. This was, well, this, and, and this, there's a direct example because Trump got the third ball brother 
who <laughs> stole shop, shoplifted sunglasses. Fucking China got him out of there. And that was no small minutes, feat. Yeah. yeah, that was no small feat. So, you know, the, the, and the tricky thing, as you know, is, you know, we got a really bad dude, dude in this Victor Bout, who is the merchant of death who's been selling arms all over the world. And he's already put 12 years on a 27-year sentence, and Russia wants him back. That's going to be an unfair trade, but I'm afraid our country will probably make it because this administration is very sensitive to the kind of pressure that's now being applied. But we'll see. It's a horrible situation for her and for the other Americans who have been trapped over there in bullshit sure. charges. No, a thousand percent, man. And and that's, you know, that was kind of what I was talking about was, you know, one of my, my co-hosts, you know, that's what he said was that, you know, it, it's essentially, and you know, we're not trying to be crass or funny, but essentially Russia is going to want something back in return. And that's why there hasn't been more pressure because people know that, you know, like it's, it's complex and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, but it's just, it never stopped any athlete from having an opinion on literally any other topic before. And like I said, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I really don't care about like I care about politics, but you know, like I, I don't wade into it, but when LeBron James feels very comfortable calling the previous administration, a bum on social media, his words, right. not mine. And won't even, you know, mention this, this president's, you know, inability to, uh, you know, even get the conversation going. It bothered me. Um, you know, it does feel like I said, like the last probably week or so the temperament has changed and, and, you know, there's a little bit more outspokenness about this topic, but I've just been amazed. You know, I thought the first month or two, okay, you know, she did something really dumb. Everybody's got to serve their punishment, but it's clear the last two, three months, whatever it's been that she's still there. I just, I think it speaks to the, I don't know what it speaks to, but it's, it's embarrassing that there hasn't been more of a push to, 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 you know, from the athletes that have an opinion on everything, uh, to, to make, to try and get her out. So, all right, one minute exit. What is the Aaron Uh, Torres buzz on the upcoming college football season? What are we going to be looking at? What are we going to have? You know, I hate to say it. It feels like it's it's Bama, Ohio State, and everybody else. It really. It, I hate to say it. I mean, run it back. <laughs> well, and it's like Bama. You know, last year, remember they lost six first round picks, had a quarterback that had never started, had to replace their whole offensive staff. And if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt in the title game, they probably still win the title last year. So now they bring back the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, the best defensive player in college football, Will Anderson. And, oh, by the way, Saban now believes in the portal and got about five difference makers in the portal on top of the difference makers that he recruited from high school. You got that element of it. Ohio State brings back C.J. Stroud. You know, Georgia lost a ton. I, I, I think the stars kind of aligned for them last year. Oklahoma's going through a coaching change. Clemson's there, but we all saw the quarterback play last year. So to me, I really think there's a big gap after those two. I hope a third team emerges. Even if it's even if it's not a legitimate team, kind of like Michigan last year, they just kind of emerged and we saw what happened when they actually had to play Georgia. But I hope that a third or fourth team emerges to, to make this thing interesting because it does feel like Bama, Ohio State, and everybody else. All right, very good. Husky, great to talk to you as always, my man. Take care out there in L.A. See you, you, bud. We will end on an email or two. You can always hit me up at zabe at yahoo.com. This one from jgiddell1. Include your name if you want a shout-out. Great pod with Charge. Very simple. Thank you for that. This one from Greg Mosley. Zabe, your Wednesday, July 20 podcast with Charge was indeed fantastic. I was a Paul Harvey fan as well. Have you heard the edited 
Paul Harvey commercial that portrays the very conservative Paul Harvey as advertising a marijuana bong. It's been around for a long time. Thought you would enjoy it. Stay awesome. Longtime listener, Greg. All right. Hello, Americans. This is Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. On Cullendon Lane, Jacksonville, Florida, Chuck Buick finally gave up. <laughs> it's a minute 20. I don't have time to play it here. But look it up. Paul Harvey bong commercial. Uh, it looks like it could be pretty funny. Speaking of bongs and gongs, Matthew Anderson writes to say, Steve, I wanted to thank you for explaining the charge, what you figured out about your Toyota Camry and why it was bonging at you when you would stop the car and get out for seemingly no reason. You mentioned the fact that you didn't know it, but you were opening the door and then turning off the engine in a quick one-two sequence, and that was what the car did not like. I tried the same thing with my new car, and guess what? That was the case. Now I've got to break myself automatically of grabbing my door, handle to exit, and then turning off the engine, which I'm sure is not going to be any easy task. He then goes on to say that he once had a 2016 Chevy Tahoe that he drove for four years without a single issue. Then out of nowhere, the dinging that would ensue if he didn't buckle the seatbelt would be so ear-splitting loud, it was a shock to him and passengers who would sit in the car. He said he took it to the dealer for some other maintenance and other repair work and told him at the time, hey, listen to this. This is crazy. They agreed, and they said, okay, we'll fix it. So I get back to the dealer, pay the $1,200 for the other repairs, and they tell me that the ear-splitting dinging is fixed. Nope. When I questioned them about it, all they could say was, well, we did a factory reset to the software. It should have fixed it, but it didn't. There's nothing else we can do. How can that even be a response when you're dealing with a major car maker like Chevrolet? Well, don't get me started on that. Anyway, I ended up, since I couldn't fix it, I gave it to my wife and bought myself a new Nissan Titan, which I'm driving now. And no, before you call me an a-hole, she wears her seatbelt all the time, so this ear-splitting bonging is not an issue for me or for her. And then finally, there's this. Not everybody is a fan of the Charge podcast. Connor Hammond says... I was listening to Church's long-winded Hedy Lamar story, and I lost interest a few minutes in. If you aren't going to cut off your guests and move the conversation along like you sometimes do with Mr. X, then I, provo- I propose implementing a suspension system for those regular guests who drop the ball in the interviews. For example, I do love Church, but his wasting of everyone's time in the story about a movie star from the 40s, he has to serve that he has to serve one podcast suspension so he can brush up on more entertaining material. Scott can be long-winded at times, so you can mute his mic as a fun way of telling him to get to the point. I would never do that. Look, Charge said, you got five minutes? And I said, okay. I looked at the clock, and it was 11 minutes in. I told him that. It's true of all of us. All of our stories we think are great stories in today's day and age cannot be short enough. Charge could have made the Hedy Lamar story a more bullet-pointed, conversational, three-minute story, not 11. 
He could have said, hey, Hedy Lamar, most beautiful woman in the world. You know, she once made what was essentially a porno back in the 40s or the 30s, whatever. Then she ends up dating the guy who was part of MGM Grand, the entertainment, the movie company. She's really smart, though, and she designs this incredible frequency hopping system to help the U.S. defeat Germany with submarines and torpedoes. Goes on to get these patents. She's ended up stripped of her patents because they swore she was a spy. Yada, 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 boom. There's the story. It's two minutes. It's three minutes. Ain't nobody got time for 11. That said, I do love charge. Anyhow, Connor Hammond goes on to say, remember, Zabe, you say it all the time. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And with that, we are done. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. Please rate and review if you can. It helps out and pleases the algorithmic overlords. Tell a friend if you're so inclined. Tomorrow on Subscribers Only, the Notorious J-A-Y. We will end the week in the dead of summer with a bang and a tribute to the great Boo Ben Kanop. That's tomorrow. Only for subscribers, go to zabe.com slash premium to be a true one percenter. Have a great Thursday, everybody, and we will see you next time. Let the Alpine blast pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. Hundred and sixty two games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props, galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit three hundred dollars and play with two hundred dollars instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a my bookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com.